This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John All right, it is Ready Radio, KLZ 560 Live Edition today. This is May the 5th as we head into spring. And i got a special guest in store for you today, which has been on with us before. And uh, welcome back, uh, Dr. William Fortune, and I should say Bill. Bill, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us again. We had, uh, for those of you listening, uh, Bill is, of course, an author and really an expert in a lot of different areas, things we talk about on Ready Radio on a regular basis, but was with us a little over, a, I don't know, about a month and a half or so ago and, and agreed to come back on. So, again, uh, William, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Well, I like the show. So, uh, where do we go today? Well, <laughs> in light of, gosh, where do we go today? There's lots of, between some of the economic news that's going on, and we've, we've uh, I talked to actually a, a foreign policy, you know, kind of a foreign uh, expert, uh, somebody that is in that world a lot more than I am, and, you know, talking about China, Taiwan, you know, there's all sorts of rumblings on, you know, even, uh, you know, and I know some of these things go on on a routine basis, as you know, when it comes to military operations, but there's all sorts of talk on social media of, you know, military practices going on around nuclear installations and things like that. So, I, great question. Where do we start? I don't know. You're, you're the moderator. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on. Let's just say, well, first things first, uh, I've introduced you before, and for those that listen on a routine basis, they would know you, but for those that might be listening to us for the very first time, tell us a little bit about yourself, and you know, you, you have got numerous books out, and you do all sorts of other things, so let's talk about you for a moment. All right. Uh, Bill Forston, William Forston, I wrote a book Gosh, it's been 14 years now, called One Second After, about the threat of an EMP. So let's do that real quick. Okay. EMP, shorthand for Electromagnetic Pulse Weapon. It's created by locking a small nuclear weapon, about 40 to 60 kilotons, about four, to su- four times the size of a Hiroshima bomb, not one of these big city busters. Right. Launch it, put it into space, about 200 miles above the United States, detonated, and it sets up an electrostatic discharge called the Compton, C-O-M-P-T-O-N, effect. This cascades down to the Earth's surface at speed of light. It's sort of like your house getting hit by a giant lightning bolt right after you put in that new 80-inch TV. Right. It shorts it. This would short out the power grid of the United States because the millions of miles of wiring can also be antennas. So one second after, you start losing your power across the country. Result, well, numerous congressional studies have indicated upwards of 90% of this will be dead in a year from no more water, food supply, command and control, disease, medication. That's all off the board because we rely on electricity, all of them. We do. You you and I have talked about this before, and it's in your book as well and just some of the the regular everyday things that we take for granted from as you said a moment ago sanitation medications uh you know the ability to stay hot stay cold i mean just all these amenities that we have at our fingertip tips which really are driven in, in in large part by our infrastructure gas and electricity both and of course gasoline and diesel fuel let's not you know let's not forget those just to re, you know the refining of oil in general uh, Bill, all those things combined, we lose that, which if the power goes out, you do. There, there's just, there, 
you said it. There's a lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there, majority of that just would not know how to handle life itself. Well, you know, uh, a standard question I ask, you're in Denver, correct? Correct. Yeah. Where do you get your water? Comes right out of the Rocky Mountains. It rolls down, but it has to be in most cases. Uh, you know, some folks have wells, and they've got the ability with the proper, you know, backup generation and so on, which we'll get into. They could potentially have water, but all of the cities, Bill, they are in e- either gravity fed to a large extent. A lot of it is still pumped because not everything here is downhill. Some things still have to go uphill. We've got water towers as well in different parts of the city and communities and so on. So we have a hodgepodge, if you would. It's not all gravity fed. Well, you know, for most people, it's kind of miraculous. You turn that faucet on and water suddenly pops out. Right. We don't realize the infrastructure behind it. Uh, and, and, and really quick, I want to make sure I, I add to that. Despite whether we're gravity-fed or not, every ounce of municipal water in the state of Colorado goes through a filtration, you know, through a plant, yeah. through a water treatment plant, Bill, which if electricity goes out, those are down, of course, as you know. And then when you flush the toilet, where does it go? That's it right. It doesn't go It goes into a filtration plant. So let's look at that as a direct result. Filtration plants aren't off. Let's say some of it's gravity fed in. They just dump it into the nearest stream, which we used to do 100 years ago. Right. But that's for salmonella, everything else. When you go to the pharmacy, the pharmacy isn't operating anymore. Go to a nursing home. They're totally shut down. It's, it's a horrifying scenario. It really is. You know, and, and, I mean, you're, you, and, and I, I, uh, after the last time we talked, I started uh, an audio book listening to One Second After all over again. And I've, I've, for everybody listening, I've done all of the four books that I've read in the series, One Second After, One Year After, The Final Day, and then I just finished 48 Hours about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago or so, Bill. And, and, and to, your, to your point, and you wrote a lot about this, and, and by the way, in a very, very um, – dramatic, eloquent way inside of the books. I think you did a masterful job. But I think at times even you are too kind to how things would actually end up. Well, you know, I, I set the books in my hometown, Black Mountain, North yep. Carolina. It's like straight out of Mayberry or a Norman Rockwell page. Uh, what would happen in my small town if it went down? Well, let me just give one very quick example. About 15 years ago, we got hit by a major hurricane shut the power grid uh, down. My father was in a nursing home at the time, last month of his life. The nursing home called me up because none of the staff could get in. They asked me to come in and help. Then they said, can you get some water? And I was like, don't you have a six-turn? No. No. Okay. So I go to an emergency supply center to get, you know, they're Mm -hmm. taking out water. And I said, I need 50 gallons. I almost got mobbed. And this was only like one day into the event. Wow. Who the hell are you that they want 50 gallons of water? You're 40. Right. She's a police there. He's explaining to people, I know this guy. He's a friend of mine. He's not 40. Well, I don't care. If you don't have enough water, I'm going to raise hell over this. So finally, they gave me 24 gallons, you know, six, five gallon buckets. and just said, take it and get out of here now. Wow. Wow. Now, that was in the small Norman Rockwell town. Can yep. you imagine? downtown denver or manhattan oh, it or would be south? it would be literal pandemonium as you know and and again i, I 
trying to be kind here to even a lot of the studies that have been done. Although after watching what happened through COVID and, and I, by the way, a couple of years ago, I would have had a different opinion. Three years ago, I should say. I would have a different opinion of all of this than I do now. But after watching a lot of folks go through COVID and what we've gone through the past you know, two and a half, three years, uh, Dr. Fortune, I would tell you right now that uh, my, my views on a lot of that have changed. Mm-hmm. Not, I, don't, I don't have the faith in people I once had. Let's just say that. I told you the wrong way. Hang on a second. No, I'm not going to die on air. Okay, I cleared. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just helpful. You know, I just get called Dr. Forster when I'm in class, and even then I just say, God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, picture, your, picture your, uh, somebody like six or seven days into this, and your kids are actually dying of thirst, and you see a guy with a couple bottles of water. How far would you go? Yeah. Great point. You know, today, yep. would you borrow? I'll give you some back tomorrow. Or would you point a gun at him and say, give me the water now or else? Yeah, great point. And, and those are the things in those, you know, what's that old saying? Desperate, you know, desperate measures for desperate people. And everybody at that point would be desperate because very few. And that's why we're here each week and talk about what we do, trying to get people more prepared than they currently are. But, but Bill, you're right. I mean, it, that would bring out the worst in people, I hate to say. You know, uh, I gave a talk at the Army War College several years back. And so I presented some case studies. You know, what would you do if? And these were all colonels and generals. Okay. And I said, if some of you got called by your MPs down to the gate of your base, and you went down, and there was a 1,000 people there, they weren't trying to give in. They were holding their children up and say, for God's sake, mm. take my child, I'll walk away. Mm. Just give her an MLB, a bottle of water. How many of you are ready to do this? Yeah. I took that example from Berlin, 42, 43, 44, when the last of the Jews were being herded to the train station. They were holding up their children to their Gentile neighbors and saying, take my child, please, wow. take my child. Wow. And he didn't. How few did. Wow. Heart-wrenching. Yes, it is. It was very heart-wrenching reading that. Wow. Wow. And I guess, again, I'm not trying to be a naysayer. I don't try to be that here on the program. I just try to be realistic and look at things in a realistic manner and get people prepared for the what-ifs of life, to your point a moment ago, whether it's a small event like a tornado in your case a hurricane or here in colorado we could have blizzards or you name it flooding you name it there's all sorts of things that can cause some of these events i'm not trying to be a naysayer bill but on the same token i guess i just look at where we're at and how unprepared and how entitled you know we even as a nation have become and the expectation that government is going to be there always to take care of you i think that's a pipe dream well remember uh katrina Yes. People sitting on the roofs of their houses holding up signs. Yes. It said, huh, help. It, it just isn't going to be there. By the way, I want to recommend a video to people. It's okay. an old documentary series called Connections by James Burke. It's about technology. I show it every semester. Okay. It's about, it, it's just episode one, you'll get hooked on it, is what happens if the electricity goes off? Hmm. And, you know, if you maybe get out of the city, you get to a farm. Let's say nobody's on the farm. Do you know how to harness a plow? Do you know how 
put a harness on a horse? Do you know how to plow? Do you know how to do this? Do you know how to do that? And he points out, we're basically in a technology trap. Yes. We are completely dependent on it. Yeah. And it's been wonderful for the last 150 years, but it could be pulled out from under us in a heartbeat. Well, and to add on to that, and again, you and I talked a little bit about this the last time you were with me, if you look at where we're at, even as a nation in regards to trades, I mean, we have become a nation where if you want something done, you get on, you don't even pick up the phone anymore. You get on the computer, you make an online appointment with somebody, the repair person shows up at your house, and off you go. And very few people know how to actually do things, either at home, on the car, whatever the case may be. And we're having less and less of that of that uh, teaching, if you would, I guess, Bill's the best way to say it. We don't have trade schools much anymore. Now, some of those are coming back. We're kind of having a resurgence of that because folks have finally figured out that there's actually money to be made in those trades, by the way. Yep. But but let's face it, you know, m- my father was one of those that never raised, I call it the white flag of surrender. We did not call the repairman unless there was just no other way on earth physically that we could get you know, said item repaired. That was my dad. I learned from him, and I'm very thankful because I have the ability today to pretty much fix about anything. I mean, there's probably a few things that get above my head, but not too many, Bill, just because that's how I was raised. I own my own repair shops in the automotive world for some 40 years, and, you know, over time, you just learn how to do things on your own and how to problem-solve and fix things. Unfortunately, we've not passed those down to the next generations, unfortunately. No, because, uh, well, an example I give is, uh, I wrote a book years ago called, uh, oh, what was it, Rally Cry. It was about a Civil War regiment that winds up on another world, but they can replicate the world. If you took uh, a boatload of guys in 1865, stranded them someplace, and said, you've got to rebuild it from scratch, they could do it. You had men who knew how to mine, men who had a farm who knew maybe 90% of the total technological developments of that time. Take a 747 today, load 400 people on it, crash it on a distant island. What do you have? Well, I, I, I know how to do coding. Okay, great. Make a computer. What? Right. Go on the line. Maybe only five or ten in that whole plane load might know a little bit, but still, it's not enough. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, and people that know me know this. My mind is is weird, and I think in weird ways at times. And uh, my wife just sometimes just shakes her head, Bill, because she's just yeah. like, what, "What's going? You know, what, what what gerbils are turning inside that head of yours right now?" But there's times where I get on an airplane, and I literally look through all the passengers, and I think, "Okay, if something happened." And this thing goes down, and we're someplace where, you know, it's remote and there's nobody around. How many people besides me, because I know I can handle it, but how many people besides me are going to be able to make it through whatever disaster might might bring, you know, might bring it on? And I, and I just look around, and I think to myself, you know, and I know I don't know everybody, and you can't always tell by looks, but as I look through the plane, I think, oh, we might have four or five that will make it out of this group. <laughs> well, you got Lord of the Flies there. <laughs> And, 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 I, and, I, you know, and I might be too kind in the four or five. I don't know. And, again, I, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think at times I am. No, you're not. You know, maybe look at which ones will be the first to be eaten. But uh, we don't have those basics. And that's what's so frightening for me and what I've been talking about for a decade or more. Yeah, We've lost that ability. Okay, so let's face it. We're dependent on electricity. 
what do we have to do? We have to redo our infrastructure. Yes. According to DOE, about the vast majority of our electrical components are 40 to 50 years old. Those wiring, the transformers, everything else, they date to the 1970s, 1980s. We're pumping our electricity on an antiquated system. Right. We are not bringing it up to modern standards. Oh, we're spending a trillion dollars on green energy for what? Windmills? Yeah. Windmills, windmills, solar panels. Yeah. Yeah, solar panels. But we're not doing the fundamentals. The example I give is you got a junker car, and so you retain it. That's what we're doing. We're painting it, yeah. making it look good, yeah. maybe sell on yeah. some poor sucker, but we're not getting under the hood anymore. You we're are correct. We're not doing safe repair work. You are correct. Yeah, great stopping point. We're going to come right back. And again, for uh, real quick, Bill, what's the best place for folks to go? I mean, I don't know how many books you've written. I, what is there, 50 or more books that you've written? Am I <laughs> close to that? You know, I, I say writing books is like cashews and pistachios. You just can't eat one. You want to go back and do another one. Uh, yeah, uh, Amazon, BNN, and any good bookstore. Okay. You know, you can get. All right. Sounds great. We'll be right back, folks. Again, don't forget. Good friend, Alan Stack, who actually is going to be with me tomorrow morning on uh, Fix-It Radio, and I look forward to having Alan on with me. But if you want anything done when it comes to your eyewear, having specific things done, you've got specific needs, or you just need a general you know, optometrist, you need a, an eye check, you name it, he can do it all. Stack Optical, and again, they can custom make anything you need, and they do it all in-house. 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Winter is nearing its end, but the threats to your roof's integrity are not. Warmer temperatures mean melting snow and spring rains. Don't wait until there's water inside your home to act. Be proactive today by calling Roof Savers Colorado. Here at Roof Savers, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement without compromising the performance of your roof. This 100% plant-based product gives you the new roof performance without new roof costs. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. Call today to schedule your free roof inspection. Call us at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to roofsaversco.com today to ensure your roof can keep unwanted leaks away. 
Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and, in most cases, an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, we are back again. Dr. William Forstchen with us today. And, uh, Bill, again, appreciate you joining us very much. And for all of you listening, uh, you know, Bill's a great guy. He agreed to come back on with us after being on with us about a month and a half or so ago. And one thing to remind everybody, Bill, and Charlie asked this a second ago, you know, we are in a, of course, we're a radio station. We're on the 12th story of our building. We have a backup generator, and a lot of folks have generators at home. But, folks, let me tell you. Unless you have something that's hardened, EMP Shield is one of our sponsors, by the way. They've got some great products, and you could look at doing something along those lines. But unless you're hardened, even our big generator downstairs, Bill, after an EMP, most because I know I know what we have downstairs. Being a you know auto guy that I am, that unit because it runs electronically is not going to fire up. In fact, if unless you've got spare componentry kicking around that has been hardened, you're you're not going to have that up and running any way, shape, or form. And that includes even your little portable generator you might have out in the garage. You think you're going to run your you know you're going to run uh, your refrigerator and some things along those lines. Unless you've got spare parts or you're keeping that somehow hardened bill it's not running either and beyond that where are you going to get the fuel that's a true statement as well i mean you've got really for everybody listening and i do a saturday program bill dedicated to car talk and uh, there are additives that can make gasoline last up to about a year and a half or so but after that you're not going to have any product to put in anything and make it run diesel fuel does not have even as long a shelf life as that because it builds algae so Bottom line, and those of you thinking, well, I'll just run off natural gas. Well, everybody remember, natural gas is pumped. There are stations around that distribute that, and those will be down as well, Bill. You might have a day or two supply in the lines that are currently there, and that's going to be about it. Well, the bad figure is that DOE some years back estimated that in the event of a major catastrophic failure, 80% of our electrical grid would still be offline five years later. Yep. 80%. Yep. That's and a lot. Somebody, time, well, if 90% of us are dead, I guess it evens out. <laughs> that's a hell of a mouthful. That's, that's you know, and, and honestly, that's, you know, we're, we're sort of chuckling, but that's a true statement. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, if there's not that many individuals left and you can get 20% of it up and running in a, you know, in, in, within a five year time frame, well, okay, maybe that works. But bottom line, you're, we're, we're starting from scratch as a country. Let's just say that. Well, you know, I know this sounds tinfoil hat stuff. I remember when I got started in this, when my first book came out, I got a lot of accusations of tinfoil hat. But 15, 14 years later, it's it's becoming concrete, hard. This is the reality in the mm. event of a major attack. Mm. We will go down. 
So what we have to do is we have to prevent it from happening, and we have to harden the infrastructure before it happens. That's right. We're not going to be able to fix it after. Yeah, and unfortunately, and you know, this isn't a political statement. It's a true statement, even though I talk politics on a regular basis, Bill, and, and not trying to bring politics into this because I want this to be universal to anybody listening. But the bottom line is because we earmark so much funding to go towards things, social programs and the like, uh, gender studies and such, Bill, I hate to say this, but you know, we spend so much money in areas that, frankly, in my opinion, just don't matter Yet, we're letting the things that we're talking about right now just, we're, we're kicking that can down the road, kicking that can down the road to the point where, uh, you know, we're, we're going to pay the piper someday is the point. Well, you know, I, I, that's your term. Yeah, I use it too. We keep kicking the can down the road because uh, the term is, an, it's an expectation of normalcy because this has been ubiquitous in our society for 100, 140 years. Right. Electricity. Right. We don't even pay attention to it. We just, but I'll also ask you this. How many people know how electricity works? Very few. How's it generate? Very few. I don't completely understand it. You know? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the principles behind it, how even it gets generated in the first place. But, you know, Bill, could I sit down and build a generator from scratch? Um being an auto guy, I might be able to get close, but that is not my forte. Let's just say that. So if we're that dependent on something we really don't know all that much about, uh, the result is we're screwed. Right. Now, government, you know, a very good friend who passed away a couple, several months back, Peter Pry. he was the true expert. Yes, I had interviewed him numerous times, and, yeah, that, that oh, guy was sharp. He was. He was he was my guru, my mentor when I was first writing the book. He said it would take about three to five billion dollars a year to start really upgrading the system. I'll disagree with Peter on that. It would be thirty or forty billion dollars a year. Okay. But what's that? That's not change these days. You can spend a trillion dollars on um, Ukraine you know, green energy. Yeah, we can spend $65 billion just on this new infrastructure bill that yep. doesn't say one word about EMP. Right. What the heck are we Well, and even, and as you know, even that bill, the, you know, that law, that, that, that bill that was passed, I guess you could say, the, the spending bill that was passed is what I should say along those lines. Yeah. Very, very little of that, actually. I did the math on that. Only about $400 million or so is actually going to real infrastructure. Everything else is quasi-infrastructure. And to your point, you could have taken a chunk of that and allocated it towards the things that we're talking about and pushed it all the way out, even onto the county, local level. But are we doing that? No. In fact, I, I'll tell you, at least here in the Denver metro area, Bill, I don't know what it's like where, where you're at, but as far as here goes, we I, I look around. I talk to folks that are in the power companies. I know some of these people because of my background on an individual basis and even the people that we talk to on air. And I'll tell you right now, we're not spending it. We're not doing it. We're patching. We're not, we're, we're not upgrading anything. We're patching. You know, and that to me is an incredibly frightening scenario that we're not even spend, spending. I, I have a student this semester who's actually a lineman for quite a few years. Okay. And when I asked him, he just, he just sort of chuckled, shook his head. He said, we're holding the whole thing together with spit and band-aids. Yep. Yep. After something goes down. Now, the other point on this is, where is our equipment made? We don't have, we've lost the American yep. ability to make it at home. It's true. So, 
you take your large transformers, the ones that are in substation, they cost a couple million dollars. From the time it's ordered until it's delivered can be up to two years. Where does it come from? What China. Answer to that? China. Yep. Now, you know, on December the 8th, 1941, we're in a global war. We were a third-rate power in many ways at that moment. Only a 1,000 days later, 44 months later or so, we built the most incredible military machine on the face of the earth, and we went forth and saved the world. We did it with homegrown industry. Yep. We've lost ability completely. Sure did. That's just Sure did. I mean, we, we had, as you know, Ford Motor Company at the time. Took them a year to build a plant and start pushing out bombers on an hour-by-hour basis, literally. Uh, the ingenuity at that time, uh, again, Bill, to me, the scariest thing is, do we have that, do we even have that gumption anymore as a country to do that? I think we do. I, I You know, I'm optimistic enough. I remember several, more than a few years back, read an article about our current generation is screwed, they're too interested in sex, bad music, everything else. They just don't have it. They're not physically fit. Our enemies are very, very dangerous people. And at the end of reading that, I always point out to my students, that article was written in 1940. Uh, it was about the generation. Mm, they went one. out and did it. We saw it somewhat in 2001, uh, a, a new generation coming forward to say, we'll defend America. I'd like to think we still have that gumption today, but we also have to completely rebuild an industry that's been atrophied for the last Well, that's years. true, yeah. I mean, that. And by the way, that, as you know, that's everything from what we do and even generating the items that we would need, you know, literally the mills and the things that we would actually need to do the things that you're talking about. Now, could we resurrect that fairly quickly and get going again with, you know, Bill with power? Yes. With no power, man, I don't know. That's a whole, that's a whole nother discussion. Some of what we've been talking about, it changes, it changes everything, changes the whole landscape. You can't repair it the day after it's gone. No, Uh, you know, another example, I think I've used this with you before. If on September 10th, 2001, you pointed to the sky and said, you know, they could turn those planes up there and the cruise missiles and do a lot of damage. Everybody would have said, you're crazy. Day later, we knew. Right. We got to do the day before something happens. Right. Actually, five years before it happens. Right. Because sooner or later, somebody's going to try something like this. In my my fear, and and again, going back to sort of the, the world structure that we're in right now and a lot of folks out there are very afraid of china because they're you know all powerful and this that and the other and bill i take a different look at china i think they've got some huge internal turmoil that doesn't even get a lot of press they've got a population birth rate that's just uh, literally uh it's to their demise because of what they did some 40 50 years ago uh they've got some yep. huge issues they've got their yep. their their you know empty cities they're now tearing down they prop up economy with fake currency and and yet there's some out there that want to be the currency of the world which frankly is just not going to happen i mean they've got some big issues and my biggest fear of china is not that they become all powerful and they've got this great mighty you know machine you know military machine cuz frankly they don't they've got a lot of foot soldiers but they still don't have the technology that we have but my biggest fear is when they get more and more desperate, which every day they're becoming more desperate. That's my fear. Desperate countries do desperate things, and that's my fear. Well, I'm not that pessimistic about China because 
China has a 2,000-year history of being an economic hegemonist. You know, the Hermit Kingdom, they are very self-contained. They have never been military adventurous the way Russia has been or Germany or others. And beyond that, if they blow us away, they've lost the world's biggest trading partner, the one they're sending all their goods to. That's true. I work far more about North Korea, Iran, or maybe even Russia doing something as Putin gets more and more desperate. That one, that um, one, I can. That one, I would not argue with you at all on. And, and I agree with you on China. They they rely on us to keep things moving ahead, you know, financially speaking. But I also know that dictators are weird, and they can do some really weird things at times, as you know. Well, you know, Hitler at the beginning of 1945 wanted to, as a final act of the apocalypse, do scorched earth for all Germany, destroy everything, power yeah. stations. And also, he was contemplating releasing their large stockpiles of chemical weapons, Mm -hmm. which means we would have retaliated. His own people stopped him, uh, particularly Speer and some of his generals stopped him. Uh, So I don't see China, but imagine if Kim, what's his name, tomorrow woke up and he found out he was terminal. True. He might say, I'll go down in history as the one who screwed the United States. Let's do it. What the hell? We're yeah. going to our bunkers 3,000 feet deep, and the heck with the rest of the population. True, true. We'll do it. True. Yeah, we'll no, I, that, that one, yeah. I, I, and or he pays some other country, you know, does it in a proxy way. You know, let's face it, there's a lot of folks out there that would love to see the demise of us, including an entire Islamic nation that would love to see that as well. So, no, are, are there allies on his side? Absolutely there are. Yeah, the, you know, yeah, let's take out the great Satan and fulfill prophecy and then we can all have our thousands of girlfriends up in paradise. Correct. By the way, it's not true. It's actually in the thousands. It's a very sick cult in many ways. That's right. That's exactly so right. No, that, you, you are spot on, 100%. That's what I worry about the most, is that some third world player who's not on our radar screen. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, uh, just to circle back for a second, Trump instituted a massive study just before he got voted out, DOD, DOE, and all the others, to report back to him about three months after January of 2020 to mandate what had to be done to bring our infrastructure up to snuff. That was killed the first day of the current administration. They stopped it cold. They haven't looked at it since. That freaked me out. Do you feel feel that's just because they're retaliating and they don't want to do it, or they know the answer, or they don't want to know the answer? What's your thoughts there? Part of it, I think, is sheer stupidity. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the way I'm starting to see Can't something. argue with you. It, yeah, they were talking, I don't know, was it yesterday, the day before, about $40 trillion to save the climate. And what was it? Senator Kennedy or somebody said that, will you tell us precisely how much the temperature will be lowered after we spend $40 trillion? Mm-hmm. It doesn't give them an answer. It's almost cultish. Yeah. Yeah. You know. it is. No, it is. I, I agree with that. It, it very much is. Okay, so going back to, and I again, I try my best here weekly to just get people more prepared. We're talking big picture. We've done that. But let's bring this back down to, you know, the local level, the household, and I know everybody's in a different place. They've got different economic 
uh, things going on in their own world. Some can afford to do more than others, but you know everybody can do something. What do you feel are some of the basics people should be looking at and getting things prepped and ready to go so that if something like this were to happen, and again, even on a micro micro sense where, you know, like you said, a hurricane or a tornado, something along those lines, what are some of the basic things folks need to be doing? Oh, gosh. Every single home should have a month's worth of food on hand. Okay. And, okay, somebody listen to you right now, you know, okay, single mom, couple of kids living in an apartment. How the heck am I going to do that? Very easy. Next time you go to the market, just, just check the canned food, you know, uh, Campbell's Soup, freeze-dried foods, things like that. Yep. And if you spend 15 bucks a month, a week, extra on these things, within a month or two, you would have a month's supply on True, here. true. Check- you know, and, and, yeah. and we talk to, I talk about this a lot, and uh, not that it's my favorite, but hey, there's times where if it's all you had, you'd sure eat it. You know, you, you, you can survive and do a lot with ramen noodles, and they're cheap. <laughs> That's my daughter. She gave me a whole box of ramen noodles. I was like, what the heck am I going to do? I got a box in my pantry, and, and some of that we just keep around. I mean, A, you kind of, you know, it works good for the grandkids and those sorts of things as well, Bill, but on the same token, Hey, you know what? There's a meal there, and if you had to, you'd eat it. You know, water, second thing. For about 25 or 30 bucks, you can buy a basic water filter. Yeah. That is even more important than food in the very short term. Yes. You know, clean out two-liter bottles of Coke and then put clean water from your faucet in there and stick it in the closet. Yep. That you have two or three gallons per person per day. Uh, medications. Super important. That's a big one. Most of, mo- most of us wait until we're only five days left. We go to the pharmacy. They plug it into their computers. Mm-hmm. FedEx brings the new stuff in the next day. The pharmacy goes. You don't have medication. And for many of us, 30 days out, you could be in some serious trouble. You know, yep. For example, I have yep. a slight heart arrhythmia. I take a pill every day. I'm great. A week without that pill... I can start having some problems, mm. getting some, you know, medical supplies on hand, basic first aid kit. You can make them yourself. And another very important thing, what I call a God bag, get out of Dodge. Yeah. Every car should, in the back, have a couple days' worth of food, you know, energy bars if need be. Yeah. Uh, a couple of liters of water to, to see you through, a, a space blanket. How many people have frozen to death? When their car yep. finally ran out of gas, yep. and they were snowed in, and they find them dead the next morning, yep. where a space blank might have saved them. Yep. Uh, every every car finally, I own has two or three of those in the glove box, just for what you're talking about. And, and another big thing, have some silver, actual old-fashioned silver fractional currency. Go down to the coin shop, get, get some fractional silver, quarters and a half dollars, mm-hmm. and maybe a couple of dollars, $100 worth of silver. Because in those first hours, you might be able to trade that silver True. dollar for five gas or True. a meal or whatever, whereas your $100 bills don't count for anything anymore. Very, very true. No, that, that's a great point. And then, of course, I've gone into detail here on the show of just other trading items. So if things really get desperate, I mean, everything from... You know, alcohol to cartons of cigarettes to 22 ammo. I mean, there's a lot of things I've learned from you listening to, <laughs> listening to your books and really getting your mind thinking about, okay, if things really get tough, what really means something? And you're right, that paper that paper currency isn't going to be it. 
Okay, funny story. Many years ago, I was in Romania. I'm sitting in a parked car out in the country. My friends are off exploring, and some gypsies came up. It was evident they were going to get me. Okay. I had a bottle of, I had a bottle of Jack Daniels in the back of the car. <laughs> I pulled it out, held it up, offered it to the head. He goes, oh, oh Jack Daniels? We all got drunk together and everything straightened out okay. They never bothered me. There you go. The fact is, their culture is they can't mug me if they're, they're going to drink with me. True. So get those one-ounce bottles of liquor for 99 cents that, that are on sale. Have yeah. half a dozen of those if you keep them legal and sealed and in the trunk of your car. Right. Things like that. Right. Yeah, yeah no, there, there are little things, and, and I guess really – Bill, and this is where, and your books do a good job of this, by the way. So those of you listening, you know, get the books, whether you, you, you know, do the audibles, whether you do them where you can actually take notes, however you want to do it. doesn't matter to me one way or the other, but, but really, it gets you thinking about things that you wouldn't think about in other ways. It really does, Bill, expand your mind, I guess, is the best way for me to say it. You just start thinking about things that you wouldn't have thought about prior I'll be honest, the first thing I learned in the one second after that I hadn't thought about prior, and it's been years ago that I actually listened, a listener of mine said, hey, you got to get this book, read it. And as I'm reading and listening to it both, uh, Bill, I'll just tell you, the medicine side of it for me, I, a lot of the rest of this being a car guy and knowing you know, electricity and all of those things, I thought through a lot of that. But the medical side of it, I really hadn't thought much about because I don't take drugs to survive on a daily basis, but a lot of people do. And that was one that had slipped my mind. I hadn't thought about that one until I actually you know, heard and read your books. Uh, at least 20% of the adult population is on some sort of mood altering thing from taking Xanax or whatever. Okay. But one, to two, that one to one and a half percent of the population are on antipsychotic medications. Mm, wow. Meaning they go without those for five to seven days. They're going to weird out. Yeah. Cancer, uh, pain medications. Uh, make sure if you're going to have to work with your doctor on that to get more than a month's supply. But think of what would happen in a nursing home if they were cut off for even three days. Because the average nursing home only has one or two days medication on hand because they don't want to get robbed. That X truck pulls up, drops off the stuff, comes back two days later. Yeah. Think about nursing homes. Yep. Think about the elderly. Think about your grandparents yep. who might have medication. But, you know, having some extra is going to count. It is. And those are things where you really, you know, and this is something that all of you listening, you have your own routine. You know your doctor. You know how this works. And you'll have to be the one to really determine how do you gain extras of those. Because as you know, Bill, it's not going to be something where you're going to get a six-month prescription for. So you're going to have to figure out how do you make this happen and and be creative in doing so. I mean, I'm not telling anybody to do anything illegal, Bill, but you've got to be creative and think, okay, how can I get some extra supply of X? And I've learned this through having multiple people on that I've interviewed. If you have medication and it is factory sealed, the shelf life is a very, very long time. There's a lot of folks out there say, well, that stuff all has expiration dates. Ignore oh, those. Yeah. I've learned that from the medical community itself, uh, Bill, that as long as it is sealed from the factory, the shelf life is very long. As long as it's inside those little plastic wrappers that never seem to open up when you want them. That's right. Yeah. Any medications that are left over, don't throw them out. No. Deal them up. Put them in a drawer someplace. Yeah. Put them in a box. 
And, and if you can put them in an airtight, you know, even one of the vacuum pack things, if you can do that and mark it, my suggestion is to do that. And, and to your point, Bill, you know, organize those however you want to. But the best thing to do, keep them cool, dry, and is, and is, you know, and is, and really, if you can get them vacuum sealed, even the better. You know, one of the hard things for me when the book first came out and I first started talking, and suddenly I'm hitting these conferences with a thousand people. The number of people who came, I actually bursting into tears because my child has a type 1 diabetic. What do I do? Yeah. I'm only going to have X number of weeks of medication on hand. That was hard for me. Yep. To have a mother crying saying, what do I do? Your book made me aware of it. Yep. Well, there's a lot of other situations where people need medication. They don't think to stockpiles and stuff in reserve. Yep. And, and folks, I mean, this is everything from basic antibiotics, uh, pain meds, as you said a moment ago, Bill, just a good first aid kit, you know, uh, antiseptic, uh, you know, the swab. I mean, everything, you, you name it. You've got to have the gauze, the tape, the ACE bandages, you know, even possibly knee braces, things like that. And by the way, if any of you end up with some of those things because you've had a procedure or something along those lines, yeah, don't take that down to the thrift store. Go put that someplace, hide it away, tuck it away, and save it. You might need it someday. Yes, absolutely. You know, I broke three ribs several years back, four or five years back, and I had to be on a walker for a little while. I was, you think I threw that walker out or took it to the thrift store? It's in the basement. Yeah, good. You know, it's see that again. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I mean, you see crutches even at, uh, you know, thrift stores and things like that. And I would tell people probably not a bad idea to pick some of those things up and just have them around. Now, if you've got the ability to store it, great. If it's making it tight and you'd rather have food instead of that, okay, I get that. But, but Bill, for a lot of folks, they've got a garage, an attic, things like that, where they could store some of those things pretty easily, a closet even. And it, those are some of the things that aren't a bad idea to have kicking around. You know, um we don't think in terms of this. Again, the whole thing, expectation and normalcy. The world is going to keep on functioning this way. Yeah. And another point I try to make with families, have a rendezvous point. Yes. Because for eight hours yes. a day, five, six days a week, you're not home, your child's at school, your spouse might be somewhere. If something goes down, no automatic. We're going to rally at this point. If it means walking or whatever, we're going to get there, and then we'll take the next step to get home. Also, with relatives, elderly in particular, who's going to take care of grandma? You've got to think about stuff like this beforehand. Yep, you are you are 100% correct. And, again, folks, uh, you can read all of Bill's books, and, yeah, there is a plethora. Uh, I have not counted up all of them. I guess I should have, Bill, but you, you have a lot. And, no, they're not all just end-of-the-world stuff. You did some stuff uh, even on, on Gettysburg with Newt Gingrich and things like that. So you've got a lot of things you've written, and, no, it's not all just end-of-the-world stuff. No, no. Uh, I started out as a sci-fi writer back in the early 80s. And then after graduate school, started writing a lot more about history. Uh, books. And, you know, actually, I'm a specialist in the Civil War. Technology was my other major. It wasn't until I started looking into this around 2003-2004 that I suddenly had a big shift in my career to this particular issue. But yeah, I started out as a historian. Okay, you know? so so I got a couple of minutes before I got to take our last break here. 
We hear people a lot talk about, oh, there's going to be civil war. Things are getting desperate. The United States is just headed, you know, it's, it's headed to hell in a handbasket. It's so bad, blah, blah, blah. Bill, tell me, is it as bad now as it was prior to and during the civil war of this great nation? No. The Civil War was a regional conflict that divided this country in half along the lines of slavery. And I always try to point out, yes, slavery was a major cause, but there were a lot of other things. It's states' rights, yep. free soil versus slave, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we're a mixed society today. My neighbor down the street might be a flaming liberal. Sorry, I have to put it that way. But... Am I going to wind up fighting with them? I don't think so. Abraham Lincoln once said that he prayed that eventually we will be reached by the better angels of our nature. I'd like to think that in the time of Christ, the better angels of our nature will call us to be back together again and bury these stupid, stupid differences that we're fighting about now. I'll leave it at that. That's a great ending to today. We'll have you back again. And again, love talking to you, Bill. You've not only because of the great books you write, but just a great mind. And I've enjoyed getting to know you, you know, each now the second time. And, and I look forward to more of these. This has been a blast. And I know our listeners do as well. Every time you're here, last time you're on, I should say, I'll get the same thing this time. The response from people is great. They love hearing you as well. So thank you for taking time for us. I appreciate it very, very much. It always goes too fast. And as always, God looks out for drunk schools in the United States of America. Yeah. So I'm covered on every. All right. Pre- appreciate you. Okay. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate you very much. Have a great evening. Uh, and it's Fortune, F O R S T C H E N. Fortune is how it's pronounced, but F O R S T C H E N. William R. If you look that up on Google, you'll find all of his stuff. We'll put some links up on the website. As well. Again, we got another break to take, so don't go anywhere. Don't forget Alan Stack, Stack Optical. And Alan will be with me tomorrow a little bit during Fix It Radio and then Drive Radio as well. We'll get to talk to him as well tomorrow. But in the meantime, anything you need, ready radio.com has all of our sponsors there. Winter is nearing its end, but the threats to your roof's integrity are not. Warmer temperatures mean melting snow and spring rains. Don't wait until there's water inside your home to act. Be proactive today by calling Roof Savers Colorado. Here at Roof Savers, we try to save every client from the expense of a costly replacement without compromising the performance of your roof. This 100% plant-based product gives you the new roof performance without new roof costs. For any roofs that do not qualify for the treatment, we work with your insurance so you can get the replacement you need. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. Call today to schedule your free roof inspection. Call us at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com today to ensure your roof can keep unwanted leaks away. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases, an indoor shop to perform the calibration. 
calibrations. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses? Well, look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, a couple minutes left, and I broke things up a little bit to honor Bill's time so that he didn't have to sit through two breaks. So those of you listening, that's why we kind of had it this way, and I've only got a couple of minutes left now. But and really enjoy talking to Bill. And as you can tell, we've kind of become, I don't know, friends in a very short amount of time. We actually now are emailing some things back and forth, and I very much enjoyed getting to know him. And I had no idea one of you – Actually, a listener from Drive Radio years ago said, hey, John, you got to read one second after. And I'm like, okay. And so reluctantly, I did. Man, once I did, I was hooked, and I've read all of his books. And he's got a very good writing style where it's very interesting to read, and he really does. And I meant what I said earlier when he was on. He really does get you to think outside of the box of what you would normally think about when it comes to this particular topic. And it applies really to everything not just an emp strike but really if you had any kind of a disaster at all that comes along what do you do how do you handle those things and you know what should the response be what should you have on hand by the way and he again he really does get you to think about things and as i said earlier the biggest eye opener for me was the medication side i i also will say this and i talked about this last week i 
personally have to be careful that I still, how should I say this, stock or put away the right items because I, being you know very mechanically inclined like I am, I have a tendency to sort of rely on, oh, well, I'll just handle that when it gets here. Well, you still have to make sure you have the right things in place so when that time does get here, you've got everything ready to go and you can't just rely on talent alone and I think some of where folks like myself might get into a little bit of trouble is we'll just figure it out when we get there well yeah that we can MacGyver it potentially but you still have to have the basics on hand or you're not going to be able to do that so even for somebody like myself I have to be reminded constantly that okay we need these things in place to make sure that when those things come you know when those days come you're as prepared as you possibly can be now as we've talked in the past, and there's even the chart that we went through last week with, with Mark, can you have every single thing done? Probably not. So you need to highlight and pick the things that you know for you and your family you ultimately need, and then start putting that list together and just start chipping it away. But the basics of what we talked about a moment ago with Bill, food, water, of course, and meds, Those three things are a must, and if you've not started working towards that, I would highly recommend you start down that process. So if you're listening to a replay of this show, thank you very much for doing so. This has been a live show on May the 5th of 2023, and yes, this will play again at some time. So if you're listening to a replay, thank you so much. You can always go to the website, ready-radio.com, for more information. All of our sponsors are listed there. Thanks for listening. This is KLZ Radio 560. and opinions expressed on KLC 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ Management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country Station.